0: Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast, I'm Alex And I'm Nick That's right, you get a twofer today First time in a while First time you're doing a twofer, for sure Yeah, absolutely I think Willie and I did one beforehand I don't remember what movie it was, though
1: Kiss Kiss Bang Bang
0: Yeah, yep, that would be it Bang You remember that one Nailed it It hurt you Yeah, it was, <laughs> was pretty sad I love that movie Yeah um, Anyway, so you get the two of us today uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been watching. Um, we have a slash film article saying that four of the biggest box office bombs are in the theaters right now. We could get to talk about some of those big bombs going on. Um, ben Affleck has been cast as Bruce Wayne slash Batman in the Man of Steel sequel. And then our full review is of Edgar Wright's The World's End. And uh, yeah, we'll go from there. So, you ready to dig in?
1: I'm ready. All right.
0: Deep deep. Um, so what we've been watching, Nick, what have you been watching?
1: Uh, I have been watching season five, I think of parks and rec. Okay. Um, pretty good. Starting to get a little bit stale Tell they're running out of steam (laughs) with some characters. They don't know much what to do with them anymore. So like weird weird plot things are happening now that just are, really contrived things they're weird yeah so i don't know i'm just kind of watching it now
0: to watch it it's not quite as you're, wa- like you're it. watching it for andy dwyer and that's why you're watching it you know
1: he's only getting better <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's true <laughs> but he's only getting better the, the you... dumber
0: the storylines get the better Andy oh absolutely really is. Yeah. Like,
1: he's the one character who, who you can always count on like if a scene's kind of dry or something kind of dumb you're just kind of sitting there waiting and then like he'll just pop in with a line that <laughs> It's it was just like Kramer and like in Seinfeld like mm-hmm. you, you should have started to expect the weirdness, but then he just does something that you're like God that's so Kramer and yet I didn't see it coming. It's the same with Andy he'll just yep. pop in with just an awesome Andy Dwyer line. Um, it is funny though because I think he's at his fattest in season five and so the contrast with him with Chris Pratt currently
0: is pretty funny. Well, no, it's weird because um he looks fat, but he was also filming Zero Dark I think.
1: His face is pretty, pretty yeah, in the show. But but
0: even in even in Zero Dark, because he's got that beard going on, he just looks really round. But I don't know,
1: he's definitely a little soggy in the show. Yeah, but it's. Yeah. Uh, I don't know when season five. I think that that was filmed after Zero Dark Thirty. Maybe I don't,
0: I don't think know. so. I don't no. really know. Season five s- started airing shortly before Zero Dark came out.
1: Oh. So he must. It must have been pre Zero Dark Thirty filming. I think he. Must so have he probably bulked
0: up and then he got into shape for Zero Dark. Yeah. <clears throat> <Either> anyway.
1: Way. <laughs> We've been watching the metamorphoses of Chris Pratt. That's what I've been watching. Uh, It'll also... be funny to
0: see what he looks like this season. <laughs>
1: I'm telling you, that's the only joke I want from the new show is for just for the opening episode for him to just walk into the room shirtless, just absolutely shredded, and have the whole office go, uh what? And have Donna pull out her phone and just start taking pictures of him <laughs> and just like and him just look like at that dumb grin on his face, going, Hey, what's up? Yeah. I, yeah, I started doing P ninety X, uh <laughs> it'd be super funny. Um but then I've also been watching I right, rewatched Mystery Men, our conversation about uh kick ass two. Made me want to uh, want to really watch it again, and it's funny because our conversation
0: about Kick-Ass Two made me want to watch The Pest again.
1: Both superior films <laughs> <laughs> to Kickass Two. Uh, Mystery Men is just so good, and I haven't sat down and watched it, watched it in a long time. Certainly, probably like early college years. And my brother and I—that was one that we we rotated pretty constantly. And now I've had a few years of, of education in uh, in film. I As soon as I started Mystery Man, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> just the production value on this... Or not the production value, but the production design in that movie is just off mm-hmm. the hook. It's insane. It's like Tim Burton level visual. It just... Ev- everything. Costume, everything. It's just... It's absolutely amazing. Down to the weird restaurant they hang out in. It's just this weird universe that is... That it basically watching it again i was i was pretty much spitballing on my on my theory of mystery Men versus kick-ass 2 why why i didn't like kick-ass 2 and kick 1 basically well i was drawing on my memories of mystery man but then rewatching it uh totally reinforced it and i was like it just makes this bizarro universe but it sticks to it and doesn't try to convince me that it's too real yeah and it's it's just so so good so funny and uh just, I think that that movie was probably the genesis of my love for Ben Stiller. I think that, and there's something about Mary I watched around the same time, and I was like, "Oh my god, these are so good." But it's uh, it's just such an awesome movie and so much fun. And I I really wish more people that I know would like watch it because they're like, "That looks so dumb." Yeah, and I'm like, "Yeah, it is," but it's <laughs> but it's amazing. It's, it's like Naked Gun, Dumb Dumb, or Dumb, where it's brilliant. Well, there's I- so much amazing dialogue and just the interplay between those characters and the actors that are in it. Like take it, they play it so serious, most mm-hmm. of them, that even though it's this it's this farcical thing, that it's uh it's just so much fun to watch.
0: What what do you think? Because we're getting kind of sequels to comedies that you know long after speaking of like Anchorman two and possibly sure. Dumb and Dumber. What would you think of like a sequel to Mystery Men that kind of jokes about the superhero? Like because like now that superheroes are like we're in the thick of superhero territory right now. like do do you think there would be something that the that a sequel to mystery men would be able to comment on you know i i do and i think that
1: it ties into the one point about kick-ass 2 that i forgot to mention that i really did enjoy there's the in kick-ass 2 there's the montage of the team justice forever Mm -hmm. getting together and it just totally apes watchmen in a really funny way like, down to the team photo and everything. Yeah. And I remember watching in the theater and going, I actually really liked that moment for some reason. But then after that, it was all dashed. But that, to me, that would be the only really organic way to do it with Mystery Men would be to kind of almost have them be like the original Watchmen, like the Minutemen, mm-hmm. and have a new wave of younger,
0: Interesting. higher tech, Interesting.
1: actually slick, super, kind of Captain Amazing-esque younger superheroes coming in. And you you would be tempted to rehash the plot, probably, of them getting kidnapped in the Mystery Men or just getting killed. Yeah, the mystery men having to step back in, but it would actually be, I would, be, if they could get everybody back, How amazing I, I would, would be that down be? to see like, to see like kind of thinner graying, grizzled Ben Stiller and Claire Forlani and William mm-hmm. H. Macy and Paul Rubens and Hank Azaria and Wes Studi, everybody for Cal, whoever he's at, <laughs> uh, just everybody. It would be, I would be absolutely down to watch that. Yeah, And I think if it, the, because that movie came out in, what, uh, 99,
0: 98,
1: maybe? I think it was 99, maybe even 2000. It's right in that era, right at the beginning of the superhero trend. And now that it's kind of almost hit its apex, or some would arguably say its decline, it would be interesting to have another Mystery Men movie to kind of cap it off.
0: That would be interesting.
1: It's an interesting question that you...
0: Yeah, like, I I feel like I. it just came up as you were talking about it. I was like, maybe... Maybe there's something that can be said with like a Mystery man now, and it would be awesome if everybody got together again. It would be really awesome. Because that cast is just so... The cast is incredible. I honestly think that, that is... <laughs> this is so dumb, but
1: that, that's one of the finer performances William H. Macy has ever turned in <laughs> on a list of incredible performances. I mean, the guy's yeah. never been bad, but he... In uh, that movie, he he plays it so perfectly, and he just... is such an earnest, uh, straight man in that movie. It's yeah. just phenomenal uh it's a great movie but that's so that's the main joy i got out of what i've been watching i tried to watch hot fuzz so that i could talk about uh the world's end but amazon gave me a dvd inside my blu-ray packaging so <laughs> that ain't cool
0: well to be honest that that probably wasn't amazon's fault that was we shall see if they rectified or not that was jose <laughs> blu-ray packager man <laughs> yeah, true. I mean, I have, I have two DVD copies. Jose technician to the robot Blu-ray packager who <laughs> <laughs> accidentally put a stack of DVDs in the wrong place. All those filthy
1: guys who will buy hot fuzz <laughs> on Black Friday will get trolled too hard. Yeah.
0: Alright, um... Alex, what have you been watching? I watched The Spectacular Now, mm. which uh, is a coming-of-age movie kind of thing-ish that, you know, we got uh kings of summer earlier this summer we got uh the way way back and then the spectacular now kind of finishes out this trifecta of um really kind of old school coming of age movies and uh i was really excited about this one it got really good buzz at like south by southwest and maybe one or two other festivals or things like that and uh it was good. I think my, my the buzz kind of lifted my expectations a bit too much. Um, and then also, I had seen the trailer, too. And uh, <sighs> I enjoyed the trailer. But once again, like every time I watch a trailer and then I go and watch a movie, I'm like, God, I just should not watch any trailers at all anymore. <laughs> because there's like... I don't know. It's funny. I don't particularly care for
1: the trailer for that movie. No? It feels too... It feels like I'm watching the, the the main beats of the movie sucked out and put into a trailer. Yeah, like there are some trailers lately. Like you, since you've started your your trailer diet, uh, the I've trailer been trailer diet. That's perfect. That's what it is. <laughs> uh, I've been. I totally see your side of the argument, and I frequently agree. Yeah, I just love trailers so much. No, yeah, and I that know. it's it's impossible for me. It's like it's like ice cream. I just can't cut it out, mm-hmm. even if I'm on a real diet. But that particular trailer I don't really like. Like, I like... Like, take the and the Davis trailer, for example, which I yeah. know you watched because you, you and I watched it uh, at the movie together. That I think that's a really solid trailer because I don't feel like I know the gist of the movie yet. I've got a couple key moments, I think. But overall, it's more establishing the mood and uh, the look, which, I, which I'm which i really into with the trailer. Like, I don't like the trailer. Scene, but the spectacular now just feels... Like, when you and Willie and I would go to the main... We went to the main art that one time. We were just laughing. We were calling, like, everything Indie, indie, movie. Mo- indie movie the Movie. Yeah. That trailer to me is Indie Trailer the Trailer for the movie. Indie Movie
0: the Movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I... I don't know. I just... I, like, watching the trailer, it, it got me into the movie a little bit more. Not that I wasn't excited for it anyway, but I... I've gotten to this point where I try to turn off my brain as much as I can when I watch a trailer so that I'm not overanalyzing things. Mm -hmm. And then it just sucks because then I'll sit down and watch the movie and as you start to get a feel for where the movie's headed, you're like, okay, this is going to pop up here and that's going to pop up there. And you're remembering that one scene and... And you're like, oh, I haven't seen that yet. I wonder when Mm -hmm. that's going to happen. And and that, it, it just, that was bad. But... The movie on itself, I I think anybody who any any anybody who's a teenager up through like a twenty something is probably going to fall in love with Shailene Woodley. Um, Miles Teller plays a real good douche, and so I still don't like him, but that's probably what we kind of wanted out of this movie anyway. Um, it, it's it's good. It just it it just had such a like a electric buzz to it that I didn't. It, it, it kind of let me down, and I think I was expecting too much. weren't they praising the performances more than the actual movie, though? I think so. Like what a lot of the buzz was about. I think so, and 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 I think the movie deserves all of that praise. Um, uh, yeah, there isn't a single person in this movie who doesn't feel like they, like they embody that character. Like, even it's it's weird to see Kyle Chandler playing the character that he is. <laughs> Like, especially after watching Friday Night Lights, it's very strange, but, um, yeah, yeah, it's, that it's, it's, it's a cool performance to watch him do, and he pulls it off very well. Odenkirk, maybe a little bit underutilized, I think he's, he's a, he's kind of a smaller part of the movie, um, but still important, and, and very, he plays it very straight, and it's night nice because he does it well, and, and it's, it's. You know, he plays it straighter than than Saul Goodman, obviously on on Breaking Bad, because Saul's kind of there to be comic <laughs> relief. But, um, but no, all in all, it's it's good. I would go check it out if it's somewhere near you. Uh, I I think it's worth a rental if it comes out uh, of the uh, of the big
1: three coming of age this
0: summer. How would Kings you? Kings of rank Summer. It? Kings of Summer, way way back, spectacular. Now, oh wow, Kings of Summer was so good. Way Way Back was also very very good. Yeah, I loved Way Way Back. I think we had we had
1: one of our better discussions
0: after. That. Well, yeah, because there, there was a lot to talk about. With yeah, that, that was a great movie. Unexpectedly, there was a lot to talk about with that one, and it, it's funny. Like I wish we could like be like, "Hey, Jim Rash and Nat Fax, and listen to this. Did you intend for any of this?" And I would love for them to be like, "No, not at all. <laughs> just, none of that. We did we, not intend to make. We you cry, didn't put else. any." <laughs> um, but yeah, I, it's funny that you said that cuz I was like, yeah, I did think about which which like Kings of Summer was just so good. It, it the Kings of Summer feels the most like it feels really unique. The Way Way Back feels like a coming of age story. Um I think the thing the the Kings of Summer accomplishes the coming of age thing while being really refreshing too. So, make sure you check it out when you get a chance. It is I'm a little
1: more happy. unique cuz Way Way Back deals with the the pretty large issue of just like your familial relations Mm -hmm. as well as just like kind of coming into your own and and spectacular now seems to deal with like that first that first love yeah also transitioning out of high school Mm -hmm. into like adult life and uh so those are two pretty universal themes that yeah sometimes get a little bit played out Mm -hmm. i think the way way back put a pretty fresh spin on it from what i saw like it felt refreshing enough to me but uh, Kings yeah. of the Summer
0: is a pretty unique premise. Yeah, it's it's a very different idea, and and it's, I wish I had seen it. Yeah, it's it like just left the main. Like you had like three months where. You, That's where you crazy because they're, they're usually never there for that long. No, no. will uh,
1: I mean, I'll see it eventually, and I'll, I'll report back. Good, good. I, I wanted to see it.
0: Yeah. Um. Other than that. Watching Breaking Bad, of course. It's awesome. Not going to say anything. If you're not listening to the Breaking Bad Insider podcast and you're listening to this podcast, just pause and go listen to all of that and then come back because... Don't listen to Alex. He's a fool. Uh, Finish our episode first. (laughs) The Breaking Bad Insider podcast is awesome. They almost always have the director of the episode and uh, one of the major actors and usually the writer, too, for like every single episode. And Vince Gilligan's always there. So... um, I'm gonna have to listen to that. It's it's fantastic to hear some of the insights that they have about things and just what went into to the scenes that were shot and and the planning about it all and just I there are spoilers that I could give away on on air here that I'm not going to but there's just <laughs> what they've accomplished with that show. I, I'll say this: the the finale of season two with um, Jane's dad. You remember yes. what I'm talking about? Yes. That is the most uh, planning ahead that they have ever done in that show, ever. That is the furthest that they have ever planned ahead in that show, and the fact that we're getting such a nice, like, round story. And you basically
1: um, they're taking it season by season. After that,
0: yeah, and like, not even that sometimes, which is interesting. But I'll tell you about that later, so that I don't spoil anything. So, anyway. Breaking Bad Insider podcast, go check it out. Also, check out the ones who knock, which is uh, slash film, slash films. uh, You know, some of you, you guys know. So whatever. The uh, the the recaps in print form
1: by Joanna are always really really interesting. Yeah, she's. I read the new one today, and I was like, these are such good, insightful breakdowns of the episodes that always reveal. A directorial choice that I did not notice, and I'm always ashamed of myself for not catching. <laughs> and I go back, and I'm like, "Oh,
0: God, that was brilliant! Why didn't I see it?" Yeah, she's good. That's that's why I listen to a Cast of Kings and the Ones Who Knock because the insights that both of them provide are are very good. It usually opens your eyes a little bit. So Breaking Bad is one of those shows that everybody,
1: not everybody will enjoy necessarily, but I think everybody should try watching. There's just the 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 balance between just the mass appeal that it had, that it will have, that it's starting to have now. Finally, yeah. that it's become so acclaimed and and in, in its final season, uh, the balance that can be struck between appealing to the masses and just the the people that are really looking for those really clever subtext things, and just the the mirroring that happens throughout the show, and just the amazing uh, things you really have to delve into to find out. It's just incredible. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Alright, I think we can move on to our first news story. Um, Let's. This is the fact that four of the biggest box office bombs are currently in theaters. and uh, So this is a Slash Film article written by Angie Han. Uh, There's a link to it on MidwestFilmNerds.com. Go check it out. Um, Basically, it's this. We've got The Lone Ranger, RIPD, Jack the Giant Slayer, White House Down, and Turbo all this year are gigantic bombs. Like, huge bombs. And, um... Well, the... There's only two that are that big, right? Jack Giant Slater and, and... And Lone Ranger like, are certainly bigger than the other three, I think.
1: Yeah, Jack and White House Down, I heard, weren't that big. They were just bombs.
0: No, I thought Jack was like a big
1: bomb. Oh, was it? Yeah. I thought Lone Ranger and RIPD were the biggest two.
0: Maybe. I don't know. We'd have to do more research, but sure, who does maybe. research for podcasts? Um... So anyways, uh, the article goes on to say, assuming all five of these stay on the list, uh, that makes 2013 tied with 1999 and 2001 for having the most box office bombs. And then it gets even worse once inflation is factored in. And uh, the chart of the top ten bombs of all time features two titles from 2013, which is RIPD and, and the Lone Ranger. So yeah, you're correct. Um, so basically, the, the article goes on to kind of postulate what what should... Hollywood learn from this. What is the lesson learned that that we can take away from the fact that we've got huge bombs all over the 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 year? Like Jack the Giant Slayer was March, and you know these these other four are basically still in theaters right now. What do you what do you make out of that? Um,
1: I think. <laughs> I think the I think the big problem it, you know there's not one big solution there's not one big thing that they can just be like oh switch that part out and it'll all work I think the I was going to say
0: if if you go to each movie I think there's a different lesson that you can learn from each movie almost
1: Well I think that the there are two big things I can think of that are issues the first the first and foremost the biggest one just crunch these budgets down yeah that is the biggest problem because if you're looking at it from a numbers standpoint if you make a 250 million dollar movie that movie has to make like 400 or 500 million dollars for the studio to be like it was a success not even a smash like a success they yeah. have to make i think i i read a little bit about this recently and i think that they that i found out that you have a movie has to essentially make back twice what it cost to be considered a, a profit yeah Cause they don't get
0: after like, yeah, marketing costs and
1: well, and the, the $250 million that's say a movie makes 200 million at the, at the show, like roughly half of that goes to theaters and distribution, only a hundred goes back into the studio's pocket and then they have to pay off marketing and such. So anyway, long story short, the, the budgets are just out of control and I haven't seen the Lone Ranger yet. I can't. And I'm not opposed to it. I've heard it's pretty bad from pretty much everybody I know. I know a few people that said they could, kind of enjoyed it for for whatever reason. Yeah, but I'm you know I'll watch it eventually and maybe I'll come on the podcast and say it was just un- unreal how bad it was. And that's fine. Whether it's James good da- or- James Badge was great, <laughs> yeah, like Fastbender and Jonah Hex. Uh, <laughs> you know, whether good or bad, it's irrelevant at this point. Uh, the biggest problem is, am I going to see 250 million dollars on the screen? That is so much money. That is so much money, and. I just don't based on what I saw from the previews of the Lone Ranger alone I'm like how, where where is that much money Where was Why two, do you need
0: that much money to make a Lone Ranger movie
1: Where was 200 million on Origins Wolverine like where where is that money going And I think that if if studios were almost forced to divulge like where their budget went <laughs> before people went to see a movie they might be like oh yeah it, it could be really interesting I know we'll never know no. yeah, but it's
0: that would be cool. There are
1: movies with way more modest budgets, still in the millions of dollars. But like we were just talking about Attack the Block and I'm sure I'll bring it up again in our review for uh, the world's end. But that what was the the budget on that one? We looked it up not too long ago, like twenty? Fifteen?
0: No, we we looked up something else. Keep talking. We looked up Sunshine. Yeah.
1: And that was like how much, like 80? eighty?
0: It was right? more than... yeah, it was it was 100? a lot more than you were. It was it's still under a hundred, but it was
1: It was more than I initially thought it was. I think the I think Attack the Block was like fifteen. Million, I could be way off again. But like that showed in that movie. That movie looks great. It looks slick, and it you you it looks like it has production value. And
0: according to Wikipedia, it's eight million pounds. So let me that's, translate that. I think
1: it's pounds like one point five. Yeah, it's going to be
0: like twelve million ish. One point
1: six. All right. Um. So there you go. And I I would venture that that movie looks better than Lone Ranger, if not on par. Different. I mean, Lone Ranger, you've got a period thing going, so you've got a lot more money going into costumes, locations, sets, uh, bigger cast, bigger, you know, logistics. But I mean, like, when I watch a movie like The Hobbit, I I generally see the production. I'm like, okay, I see hundreds of millions of dollars in this, because they've created a a damn world. Yeah. They've created a universe. But for... I agree. For a movie like The Lone Ranger, does it need? And I think this also kind of harkens back to uh, something I saw on Reddit. Somebody said, "You know, why does every sci-fi movie these days have to have extended action sequences? Why can't we get sci-fi movies that don't have that have minimal, if any, action and still be interesting?" Yeah. And I think that people, for their summer blockbuster movies, they do kind of tend to expect some some action adventure sequences. But what was a you know adjusted for inflation? I wonder what the budget would be on an Indiana Jones movie.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't know.
1: We should look into that. But anyway, um, just to wrap up my other that that's the biggest I think the biggest problem is just figuring out where this money is going. Because, you know, we live in Detroit and <laughs> the biggest problem we have right now is that our city is bankrupt. And where yeah. is all the money going that does come <laughs> into the city? Like this is kind of a this is kind of a uh, unique theme, not a unique theme, but applicable theme to our current area as everybody's asking that question about Detroit, where the hell is all the money going that comes into the city because it's not really it's just lining people's pockets. Yeah, uh, but I think the only other issue that I have is that there's not a lot of original IPs or, or content or original stories coming out. I think all of those movies are adaptations of some sort, except for well, White House Down and Turbo aren't. Yeah, White House Down is, but I mean it's that's
0: not. that's one of the points that I wanted to bring up. It's interesting that none of those are really sequels. No. And I think that's that might be a bad lesson for Hollywood to learn, which is <laughs> less. I mean yeah, they, they
1: tried that's true. But I think they all fall into a category of it's been done a lot. I mean, the Lone Ranger is Pirates of the Caribbean on in the desert. RIPD is Men in Black Four. Jack the Giant Slayer is just a weird, dumb, big loud version of Jack and the Beanstalk, which I don't think anybody was clamoring for. No. It's a weird it's a Except weird choice. For Bryan Singer. I can see wanting to make another big fantasy uh, franchise, but that was just such a bizarre mm. choice route to go. White House Down is diehard.
0: Which and one is, is, is that? Which one was first? Lone Ranger. No, I mean uh, Olympus has fallen. White House Down.
1: Olympus has fallen was first. You sure? Yeah, that was Gerard. Okay. That was that was what came out first. Maybe maybe that's why yeah, White, that's House Stone, maybe yeah. White House done. Yeah, maybe White House done didn't do as well because of that. I, you'd think the Star people are probably
0: like, I already saw that movie. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and then Turbo's just animated story about snails. It was actually a brilliant article. I'm not even going to talk about it because I've already spoken too much. But uh, I'll have to send you the link. You can post it. There was a really awesome article that talked about why uh, animated movies like that are starting to become bad for kids. There's too, there's, Interesting. Because there's too many, but also the, the lessons they're teaching kids basically aren't good for child's yeah. development. And uh, the, the long and short of it was that these characters suck. Like They're like, Turbo sucks. He's a snail with unrealistic dreams of being a racing <laughs> snail. And through some magical wave of like a wand, essentially, he gets what he wants and becomes a rock star, despite the fact that he has not put in any hard work or years of training or anything to actually become a racer. And they were like, that doesn't make any sense.
0: Well, the <laughs> thing the thing that I worry about with that is that I feel like that that thought... If you watch the trailer, that thought's completely true. But I wonder if there is a deeper deeper message in the actual movie.
1: I don't think so. You don't think so? <laughs> it was part of a review for the okay, movie, though. okay. They were just talking about how this is kind of a... And they lumped a lot of other similar movies like Planes and Cars and... Not Cars so much, but a lot of these other movies that just basically tell kids, like, you know, if you want something really bad, just sit around eventually. And, and keep wishing and you'll get it. And they, they 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 did a way better job of explaining it, as everyone does, than, than I'm doing. kind of just, <laughs> just farting it out there. But uh, it, was, it was a really entertaining read. I'll have to try to find it. Um, but I was like, this is really, really interesting and actually totally valid. Because usually, like, the movies we watched growing up like that, like The Karate Kid, for example, he, you know, Daniel wanted to just be able to defend himself. It wasn't even about, like, he never always yearned to be a karate master but yeah. put in like a whole long summer a year like like training and, and you know pretty basic stuff but at least he put in the work and the elbow grease and i remember being a kid watching that and being like oh man mr miyagi's making him do all those chores that sucks <laughs> but at least it, it in my subconscious probably planted the idea that you have to work to be able to, to pull something like that off so it was just an interesting article yeah anyway what's your take
0: on this uh I mean, it's you said a lot, a lot of what I think needs to be realized by Hollywood, and whether or not they're actually ever going to realize it, I don't know. Like, number one, I don't even know. <laughs> this is this is a good good episode, guys. I'm, I hope you're enjoying this. No, like the Lone Ranger. I wish we were filming this one.
1: because The look <laughs> on your face and your little shrug was just. <laughs> it said it all
0: <laughs> the lone ranger i don't think needed johnny depp i don't think it needs 200 something million doll- 250 million to film in the desert like i it doesn't that doesn't compute to me and the people that are making these decisions are are just being stupid however on the flip side when you look at something like john carter which I think cost about the same amount of money. Uh, I think you can see it a little more because it feels like it's funny because it is filming in a desert, but it's, it's a science fiction movie. There's a lot of effects and and there aren't even like, there isn't a big star or anything that you think a lot of the money's going to, but, um, you know, the Tharks alone are probably a lot of that cost. And, and
1: yeah, effects heavy movies. I get it a little more. I mean, and a, there might be a ton in Lone Ranger I don't really know. it just seems wildly unnecessary
0: yeah it it feels like you're you're trying to shoehorn a lot of money into a movie that doesn't need it at all for for just the sake of having explosions and things like that, possibly but i mean uh how much let's let's think of how much is a Transformers movie? nowadays like what kind of budget did transformers 3 nowadays what do those run yeah what what does it run i mean
1: you know it's funny the person we should have guest star on this episode is sam Raimi, (laughs) because he hit the nail on the head with this whole idea years ago yeah uh i read a great article about or just a, a little editorial or whatever by him talking about you know budgetary things and he when he made uh Drag Me to Hell, he was coming off of Spider Man 3, basically. And Drag Me to Hell, he had a fraction, a drop of the budget he had for Spider Man 3. And he said it was a huge adjustment getting back into that mindset of, I only have this much money. I only have this much time. If we don't get this shot right now, it's cut from the script because we can't come back tomorrow and shoot it. And he said it was just so refreshing for him because that was his background. He said they would be on set and look at the clock and be like, all right. And they just pull pages out of the script and quickly retool things and just kind of patchwork the movie.
0: Work As around needed. the budget yeah. and it
1: was such an awesome movie it was so much fun to watch it was just tight and lean and just a really fun movie to watch and it was way more fun than spider-man 3 certainly
0: i i hope that's that's a good not even the lesson of like learning where your money's going i hope this makes hollywood realize that throwing money at a movie doesn't mean it's going to be successful and back back to my previous point. Transformers three cost about one hundred and ninety five million, according to reports. Transformers two cost about two hundred million. So for some reason, they gave it less money the third time around. Um, they made a Transformers movie for less money than they did a Lone Ranger movie. How does that make any sense at all? It doesn't. No. It absolutely does not. Like the amount of effects that go into Transformers. That does that absolutely does not compute. So I think, I think those are the two main lessons right there. What's the
1: budget for the for the World's
0: End? Let's take a look. Not to be confused with the at World's End, <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean. at be End.
1: confused. With, we were pretty confused the past couple days.
0: Um, I don't know. Keep talking about something.
1: <sighs> IMDb. Why don't you list everything all the time? Well, Daniel Boyle is a big, a big fan also of not having a budget, and yeah. I think that that was his beef with the beach, and not that he was using it as a crutch or blaming like any lack of real strong reception on yeah. like anything other than himself. But he said it was a weird experience for him as well because he had a ton of money, apparently, and in his mind,
0: And they threw it all at Leonardo,
1: and how yeah, to do things on screen, make <laughs> sexy, and uh, he said it's just way better to have to have a restriction. Really, Box Office Mojo?
0: Box Office Mojo is just failing here. Alright, Edgar Wright?
1: Hey, this, is,
0: this is great uh, podcasting right now.
1: I'm going to make Huel noises.
0: $20 million, according to Box Office Mojo.
1: Jesus. Yeah. $20 million to make Edgar Wright's third film. All right,
0: Hot Fuzz, Hot, fuzz? You want to know hot <laughs> now that, fuzz. Now that we're
1: on this this rant, okay. Um, yeah, and like for twenty, that movie or that movie, The World's End looked.
0: An A. don't know what Hot Fuzz cost.
1: It's got to be in the same ballpark. If not, it's probably about the same. Maybe a little bit less because there weren't as, as many effects. It was all pretty much practical. Yeah. Um. But for twenty million dollars, if you can make a movie that looks as good and feels as good and sounds and cuts and just is as good as The World's End.
0: Wikipedia says twelve million for Hot Fuzz.
1: Twelve million dollars to make Hot Fuzz, which is has dynamite action sequences. It looks nice and cl- and clean and slick, and it's just an all around great movie.
0: Eight million for Shaun of the Dead. Ye gods, man. <laughs> Yeah. So I mean Hollywood just learned that throwing money at things doesn't make it work.
1: You have 20 you have roughly like 20 times the budget for the Lone Ranger. Yeah. <laughs> you could make 20 hot fuzzes and you
0: made one Lone Ranger. <laughs> this is like measuring time in Jonah hexes. Yeah, or <laughs> meter, measuring distance in meters. Yeah. Um a lot yeah. of the world does it, but well, let's uh let's kind of segue here. Interestingly enough, we had reports that Christian Bale was offered $50 million to come back as Batman and
1: reports that Hugh Jackman was offered a hundred million, million to five some movies, I
0: think. four or five. So like pictures. It, number one, that's probably throwing a lot of money, but throwing that kind of money at, at Christian Bale to bring him in for Batman versus Superman probably wouldn't have been a bad like it and that, and that might have made fiscal sense for them possibly just to say christian bale's coming back
1: yeah it's it's an investment i mean it's it would be it would take that amount of money i think to and, and i don't think there's ever a comment on that i don't think i think it was a rumor
0: yeah it was mostly rumor there's no i know the
1: hugh jackman one was he was like nope,
0: no yeah nobody on either side of the bale one but anyway we can we can stop beating around the bush um Ben Affleck has been cast as Bruce Wayne and what? Batman. Bruce Wayne and Batman for Batman vs. Superman. Um, he's also working on the script with Zack Snyder. And there's heavy rumors, possible confirmation that Brian Cranston has signed for Lex Luthor in a multi-picture deal. So. We don't really talk about casting news that much anymore, but this one's kind of a kind of a biggie. I think we've I think I at least have been quoted as saying earlier on that this movie's going to ride on on who gets cast as Batman. <clears throat> and um the internet collectively exploded when this occurred <laughs> and large amounts of distaste. But uh I think we've got two pretty different opinions even just from that broad one here. So um Nick, how do you how do you feel about this casting choice? You know, Alex, <laughs> it's weird because
1: I'm I'm strangely ambivalent about yeah. the whole
0: thing, and I'm a I'm a pretty pretty big Batman. Fan. Well, I can say <laughs> the way that you put it via text was. It's not <laughs> the only thing. Was that if it's John Ham, then I would have been super pumped for it. But now I'm just kind of like, okay. Yeah,
1: basically. So the only casting news that would have made me like jump up and like pump my fist was John Ham. That's pretty much the only person that I can think of that they would cast that I would be like, oh my god, oh my god, tickets, all of them on me for this movie. <laughs> but you know, a couple years ago, I- I'm still a really big Batman fan, but certainly not as big as I was a couple years ago. Like I think if you would, had- if you had gotten me like five years ago. I was just... Everything was just about Batman. Mm-hmm. And and uh, in terms of the comics I was reading and, and the movies and everything, it was just... Batman was so huge to me. And still is. I think a, a little part of it kind of closed off once Nolan's trilogy kind of ended. I, I felt satisfied with my Batman films. I think this one is coming so soon that in like another... Maybe in another year or two with no Batman, I would have been started to feel the itch. Yeah, But... For this casting, it's it's strange because I've gotten weirdly used to kind of rooting for Ben Affleck because his, movie, his directorial movies have been so good. Or I, certainly, I've enjoyed them anyway, and I think critics and, and most people kind of tend to agree now as well. Uh, you know, the town was pretty well-worn territory, but I still liked it. Um, and I think he has turned in solid performances in his movies. Mm-hmm. It's just weird that he can't seem to be directed by anybody else. Uh well, I mean, it's just, when it's, it when was, the director
0: can tell you what he wants via mind bullets, then it's, it's a lot true. easier. When you
1: can just sit in front of a mirror at night and talk to yourself, and comb <laughs> your hair, uh, shirtless, yeah, doing one armed uh, chin ups. But I, I i like I like Affleck now. I'm kind of like to me, he's kind of the underdog, and I kind of want to root for him because he's really he's really had a huge like turnaround. Yeah, like, like he's he was at the the lowest point in his career like 10 almost exactly 10 years ago mm-hmm. just the string of just weird performances and weird choices and weird public things
0: the, and the first the first tweet that i read before <laughs> thr published anything absolutely anything was david chen of slash film saying ben affleck from Gigli to batman in 10 years <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's that's nuts oh i thought you were like
1: okay I'm, I thought your story was about to be the first tweet you ever read. No, it was no, 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 Something no. making fun of Jili. I was like, no, oh, "This is gonna be good."
0: No, 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 no. But just that, like that—that that was my first notification of this, and there weren't any stories anywhere. Like, I started googling. I was looking on Google News. Nothing. I was like, so I tweeted at him. I was like, "Where did you even get the, like what?" And then, ten seconds later, Everywhere. boom! Yeah, it exploded. An
1: internet notifier human kicked in your front door and said, threw a newspaper at your face. Exactly. Yeah, it's uh he's he's had a remarkable turnaround and I think it's one of those things where nobody ever expected him to no. to climb out of the utter just filth he was just wading around in and just the butt of every joke and just like really, really low. And it's that's why it's kinda of remarkable because I I can never decide which people love more, is just shitting down someone's neck or a good underdog Routing, story. Yeah. yeah. And he's had both in his life, <laughs> so it's it's kind of interesting. But I, I I'm at the point where I genuinely kind of like Ben Affleck, and I look on his some of his older performances. And he wasn't the best actor, but he's he was good even in like I remember seeing Dogma back in the day when everybody was like Ben Affleck's gay, Ben Affleck sucks, <laughs> and I was like, he's pretty good in Dogma. Like his acting is a little stiff, especially compared to, to Damon and, and like Alan Rickman and stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, I remember kind of liking him. Yeah, and I, he he kind of. Kind of stunk a little bit in Daredevil, but he wasn't awful. It was just, I think it was really circumstantial. Yeah, But honestly, that's neither here nor there. Daredevil was a long time ago. And people keep, the number one thing that's ridiculous is people saying, A, he's so shit in Daredevil. And I'm like, yeah, but that was so long ago. And that was just a totally different era for everything, everybody. And see, to me, that's kind of a really ridiculous criticism. If Daredevil was like three years ago. Plus, Affleck kind of knew better with Daredevil. Apparently, they offered him to, to direct and star in a sequel, and he turned it down, and he kind of learned his lesson. Yeah. and Or at least didn't want to try again for fear of just the bomb that it would be. But, you know, I haven't... I'm not sold, but I'm not against it. I really don't think it's awful. It could be way... Like, it could be so much worse. That's the thing. I think people are kind of forgetting there. There's this instinct in, in all of us to just immediately just vomit, like, six-stick style... At the thought of Ben Affleck. Like, it's just ingrained in most of us. But then most people, once they wipe the vomit from their lips, are like, Wait, Argo? He may Argo? (laughs) He was in Argo? And I'm like, yeah, dude. And he... I don't know. And the other weird little thing is he's the most physically perfect of everybody that's ever played Batman. He's the only one who's actually, like, Batman's size. He's a big guy. Kind of makes sense. I just think it's funny. Because, like, uh, you know, most, most comic guys... A lot, not I shouldn't say most. A lot of comic guys are kind of backing it up by being like, "Yeah, he kind of looks like Batman. He's a tall, dark-haired, broad-shouldered, square-jawed guy. He looks like a comic book character." But I think the issue for me personally is going to be removing Ben Affleck, Absolutely. the celebrity, from the equation. And I, I struggled a little bit with Elysium. Like I said, with Matt Damon pulling the Matt Damon away, it's going to be harder with Ben, but. You know, I think Warner Brothers has so much riding on this Warner Brothers in DC that they're I, I you would hope they wouldn't. take I can't it. imagine yeah. that they are taking any a chance on this one. I don't see Zack Snyder sitting there going, you know what? We usually don't pick up hitchhikers, <laughs> but I'm gonna go with my gut on this one. <laughs> Saddle up, Ben. Like I just don't. I don't see it. There's got to be. There's got to be good reasons. There's got to be several really, really good reasons why they chose him. That's my. That's my take on it, my really long take. Okay. But what do you think? I know you
0: were just, like, kind of nauseated via text. It, well, it, here's the thing. I don't hate Ben Affleck, and it's absolutely not about him as an actor. I've enjoyed what I've seen him in as of late, which has been his own work, basically, but... I just think it's boring. Like, it's really boring, and I I, I would want to say safe, except for the fact that people exploded. <laughs> But, um, it's funny because I, I commented on a, on a friend's status about like who I would have picked. And I was like, younger Bruce, my idea, like who, who I would want to do for like a younger Bruce. And let me, let me pull up who it is. But older Bruce, I had John Hamm on there, of course, because I just think that would be a ton of fun to Well, watch. we all
1: knew it was gonna be older Bruce too. They said they wanted a, a grizzled yeah. kind of middle descending in the middle aged.
0: But it's weird because I don't I don't even know if Ben Affleck really fits that bill for my in my opinion. But he and John Hamm are less than a year apart in age too. That's very strange. Isn't it very strange. It is. Um Ham just conveys From a pure looks standpoint, like just looking at them. I had like Anson Mount as like a younger Bruce, even Richard Armitage is like a younger Bruce.
1: Richard Armitage is one that I was told totally he behind.
0: was. He was like one of the few on that short list where I was like, okay. Matt Bomer too. He's a little thin, thinned out face wise, but I think I think he, he's too pretty. Yeah, th- and maybe, maybe, but I feel like Bruce is a little Bruce bit should should look pretty rough
1: by this point in his life. Okay, he's been punched in the face a lot. Okay,
0: well, I mean, that's the thing. These are younger Bruces. And then my my older Bruce was John Hamm. The other one that I thought about that really got me excited, and this is after having watched like a very few episodes of Person of Interest was Jim Caviezel, and I don't like I don't know why it didn't occur to me beforehand, but like seeing a a, a Jim Caviezel older Bruce Wayne, I feel like it would be interesting to see what he would bring to the performance.
1: I have been rooting for Jim Caviezel to play a superhero. <laughs> I shit you not. Since he
0: post- already played Jesus, since both... Post- he played Ultimate Super Christian Bale.
1: <laughs> uh, before Iron Man One began production, I was like Jim Caviezel would make a really cool Tony Stark. I think, but he was deep in like his mega Christian phase where he's not going to do any more violence and stuff. And I think that that was. But I always pulled for him for Doctor Strange, like in a big way. Okay. And if you look at him in the Condomini Cristo in particular, he's wearing Doctor Strange's costume basically <laughs> for like a lot of the movie. <laughs> He has the goatee and everything, and I was like, this <laughs> is actually Strange. But anyway, it's interesting that you said that, because I used to really like, Frequency was one of my favorite movies mm-hmm. growing up, and I used to really like Jim Caviezel, and I just did not, he did not even cross my mind for a Batman Yeah, title.
0: me either, until, like, I honestly, like, I was looking through, like, who would I, like, I keep saying that I wanted it to be somebody different, I wanted it to be somebody interesting. But I didn't necessarily have examples, and for some reason, just like the 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 older kind of my hair, <laughs> yeah. my hair, Jim Caviezel, you know, kind of gray, layered throughout. I just feel like if he bulked up a bit and and put on the bat suit, it would be good. Um, he's definitely a really
1: good actor. Like I've always yeah. I've always enjoyed his work.
0: So I think I'll I'll get over it. All right. Ben Affleck is, is is Bruce Wayne personally it's strange like I've talked about it before about how uh, Michael Keaton was a great choice for it was an interesting choice for Batman because he did he had the, he had the charisma for Bruce Wayne but when you put him in that suit without like <laughs> with a chest plate without the physique he looked kind of ridiculous that's where that Batman fails for me and then you know you look at like Clooney and and Kilmer they they kind of fell by the wayside in respects with like script and performance <laughs> Bale was the first one who really hit Bruce Wayne and Batman on the head sure super well and Ben Affleck can probably put on some muscle and get in the bat suit and do a great job but Bruce Wayne, as you said, it's going to be so very hard for me to sit there and not see Ben Affleck and just look at him and see Bruce Wayne. Like, that's that's a very rough proposition for me. And it's not even just the baggage of like, oh, he's Daredevil. No, I don't care. I don't care if he's played anybody else prior who's been an accountant. That, that never bothers me. But Ben Affleck as a celebrity is huge and the fact that he's going to be Bruce Wayne is just strange like that
1: it does feel it's almost like this it's not quite today's version of casting Clooney as Batman like I think if 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 you had cast Ben Affleck as Batman for Batman Begins it would feel very much like celebrity stunt casting to me yeah. but today I really I really don't the reason I, I kinda like the casting of Ben Affleck is it's it's shocking to me. Yeah. Like it is shocking. I don't think it's I don't think it's boring like you like you think it's boring. Like what I think is boring is Hugo weaving his red skull. That's my ultimate example of boring. Like when he was cast, I was like, Yeah, he'll be fine. He'll be good, I'm sure. But it seriously to me was like a studio exact, like pulled open the the file cabinet and was like Da, 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 da. Character actor, villains, Hugh, is Hugo free? Yeah, Hugo, call Hugo. Hugo, you're free? Okay, you're Red Skull. Like that's really how I felt about it. And I was worried that Batman would be kind of the same thing. I was like, ooh, I hope it's not like a like a Channing Tatum type thing or no offense, Chan, but they you know just that that type of guy who's really hot right now. And to me I don't think Ben Affleck's a very hot property right now. No. So I, I like I was shocked I was surprised. I was like, wow. I was like, the balls on DC, man. I kind of got to hand it to him. This is pretty. Guy's got a lot of baggage. He does. It's certainly not not this not a safe bet.
0: I think I think it's an uphill battle.
1: Absolutely, but I, I think that there's you know potential he's going to be him. at
0: Comic Con 2014. Like he'll be there. He'll be for at sure. the panel. They're going to like go insane. I think it's
1: going to be. I think it's going to surprise people probably.
0: Hopefully, and I I fully acknowledge that I could. This is what's great about this podcast. Is that two years from now... What, this podcast? We can This, this particular <laughs> episode, but having the podcast in general. Two years from now, I can go back and listen to this and be like, wow, you were an idiot, Alex, or you were still totally right. <laughs> you can feel free to, to say I told you so, but I reserve that right as well. Uh, no, absolutely.
1: I think, I do, I do agree Bruce is going to be tricky, but this is where I feel a little more at ease too, is Affleck's obviously pretty strong with story and with character. And apparently he and Snyder have been yeah. in collaboration over the last few months about which direction to take Bruce Wayne and Batman. And so hopefully we get Bruce at a place where not only is the audience comfortable watching it, but Affleck is comfortable playing it. And that that is a, something that Bale hasn't done yet, which I think we're kind of going to get almost that reclusive, maybe just beaten down, depressed Bruce Wayne we're not going to get the playboy having fun with Batman from Batman Begins, Bruce Wayne. We're going to get the... Wolf. Maybe he
0: doesn't need to rely on that charisma as much. I don't
1: think he's going to be very charismatic. I think he's going to be kind of shitty. But that I've been hoping for that Batman for the longest <laughs> time. That's why I wanted basically to transplant Don Draper into <laughs> Wayne Manor. Just have him come home. I wanted that scene in the Batcave with like one piece of light above him sitting in the chair with just the cowl, with the off, cowl in off. the suit with a thing of whiskey in his hand just like and up in some five o'clock... Some stuff, some some, some like rips couple. on the suit or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and just Alfred coming down and being like, and Bruce being like, "Get, get out of my face, old man! Like, just Leave <laughs> me alone!" I I wanted to see John Ham do that desperately. Yeah, but we we I don't know. I think I think the casting of Affleck is very very interesting, and I'm 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 more down for thought provoking
0: and a failure than boring and safe at this point in my life. See, but I don't even know like it. I don't know who would be boring and safe. Like there's that's the thing is that Christian Bale is so good that there's nobody that's like boring and safe True. together. I think.
1: I mean, I I got the way I see it, I got three really good Batman movies that I really love, and I love that performance of Bruce Wayne in and out. All three movies, he just Bale clearly threw himself into it more and more with each performance, and mm-hmm. I I totally will cherish those three movies. And if this one comes out and it's just
0: a just awful, I'll be like, whoa it see i just it's it's disappointing because as my status my my facebook status that i posted as soon as i heard the news cuz everybody needed to post a status including myself um i just said you go and get my hopes up with man of steel and then you tear it all back down with casting ben affleck like it just it doesn't i wanted somebody interesting even if it was like here's this no name How is this not interesting? (laughs) It's just, I don't know. I just, it it feels to me, it feels like it's, you said it's not Hollywood stunt casting, but to me, like they did it because they feel like Ben Affleck's going to bring people, he's going to get the asses in the seats, in my opinion.
1: Man, I really don't think that's it though. Because clearly, like, I I hope it's not. I think I, what did say seventy? That someone did like an aggregate of all of the buzz on the internet and all of the polls and everything. And they said something like seventy percent of people reacted negatively to it. Like I don't think really hardly any lay person want. Like I had work the next morning, yeah, and I had people that I never ever thought in my life would talk to me about a comic book movie or anything come up to me like, "Did you hear about Ben Affleck is doing the new Batman?" That's stupid. And I was like, "What do you give a shit?" <laughs> Like I, I said that to somebody. I was like, really? You care?
0: And they were like, Yeah, that's dumb. And Maybe I was like, why? I safe might be the safe safe clearly isn't the word because it wasn't safe. It 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 absolutely set the internet on fire. But I I don't know. For some reason boring is exactly what I like it just I don't know. It feels to me like they didn't I don't feel like this is taking a chance.
1: I think it's a huge chance.
0: I don't. This this is almost the same way most of
1: the world reacted to Robert Downey Jr. being cast as Iron Man, because so many people wanted a big, relevant name, and then like a lot of people, and a lot of them being hardcore comic guys, were like, "Wow, that's a cool choice. Like, that's pretty left field." That's and true,
0: but I don't think anybody's really the guy's saying kind of perfect. There are some people, but saying what that they that, that Affleck is like an interesting. Like I, you you're saying that, and you know, Whedon and like a lot of past Batman's have been like he's gonna do great. But, dude, there's a lot, especially on Reddit. There's a ton of people that are like supporting it. Well, maybe
1: I... they're out there. And there's just not many. But I think it's it's a couple days out, and it's honestly it's so ridiculous. The same thing happened with Ledger. The same it happens a lot with a very the same thing happened. with, with Dano Craig with that kind of characters. It's yeah. hard to not everybody step gets on toes. Little, sure, Dano Craig was the most retarded one because the the same thing. The internet exploded. They were like, "What a a blonde haired, blue eyed, <laughs> short James Bond," and like. I'd be hard, you'd be hard pressed to find anybody under the age of like forty who Daniel Craig is not their favorite James Bond because the guy killed it.
0: But it, I don't know. I'll, I'll I'll have to search for the words because it's there's <laughs> <laughs> there's there's something that I'm not getting to that just I don't know. Maybe it's just utter disappointment that they didn't come up with somebody new and cool.
1: And I'm still bummed out it's not Ham. Don't get me wrong. No, I know. But I know. I've already made peace with it because I'm like, you know what? There's no use. There's no use being too upset about it's, it. No,
0: it's true because it's not going to change. It's not.
1: I'm. I'm just glad that Batman and Superman are going to be in a movie. Like to me, that's cool. Yeah. I'm more disappointed by the lack of Ant Man in Avengers Two than I am Ben Affleck as Batman because to me that's. I feel like there's something integral to that story missing, and I could be wrong. The movie, like you said, the movie might come out. It might be the best movie of the year, and I'll be like totally wrong. But I think there's something more... To me, there's something more fundamentally wrong about that than there is about Affleck as Batman.
0: Uh, Well, and that's... I I don't know... Fundamentally wrong isn't how I would describe that. How I would describe them picking Affleck. Anyway, we're somehow running long and we're missing a person so <laughs> we've got good meaty topics today that's why um so we're gonna take a quick break and turn on the air conditioning because i'm sweating bullets and then uh, we're gonna come right back with our full review of edgar wright's the world's end all right here we are with our full review of at your rights the world's end the, the closing chapter in his cornetto trilogy um so starring simon pegg nick frost martin freeman uh hitty considine uh Rosman Pike. Rosman Pike. A few other people. Um, synopsis on IMDb is five friends who reunite in an attempt to top their epic pub crawl from 20 years earlier unwittingly become humankind's only hope for survival. So, um, it's been a long time since I've seen Hot Fuzz or Shaun of the Dead. And uh, I feel as though i fail failed our listeners by not having seen those more recently so that I could do a more Close comparison, but Nick, how do you feel about uh, Edgar Wright as a whole, and then maybe go into some, some thoughts on The World's End?
1: Uh, I love Shaun of the Dead a lot. <laughs> Slightly <laughs> less so than I used to. Um, when I first saw that movie, it was probably in right around the time it came out. It came out in 2004. I probably saw it in 2005 okay and that was a huge influence on me right when i was starting studying film and like starting to make things of my own because the just the energy of those movies and the and the the sense of humor was huge coming from a real big monty python and then like uh you know naked gun and airplane kind of humor background it just it totally struck the perfect chord with me and that type of humor and yeah. I, I just remember loving it so much <laughs> i had a I had a six-inch like movie masters like McFarlane of Sean, nice. sitting on a bookcase for the longest time. Yeah, and um, it kind of kicked off, or was a, was a big part of the big zombie craze. And I kind of lost touch with Sean after that for a while, but I, you know, I have really fond memories of it. And then Hot Fuzz came out, and I absolutely worship Hot Fuzz. I saw that in theaters, I think three or four times. I have the DVD. I ordered the Blu-ray. I got, got another DVD, another DVD. <laughs> so I have two copies on DVD, and I'm awaiting a Blu-ray. But uh, that is just it. I think it just totally took everything about Sean and elevated it, and and made it even better. And I, I regard Hot Fuzz as the superior of the two. Okay, I still love Sean. I think Sean's brilliant. It has a, a great place, but Hot Fuzz to me is just it. It did a it parodied a genre that's way harder to parody. I think. And, yeah, and, and and did it just as successfully. And um, I think Edgar Wright is an absolutely brilliant filmmaker. Uh, because of Sean, I got really into Space. I had to buy, like, bootlegged, burned Region 1 DVDs of Space because they didn't make it in Region yeah. 1. And they cost me, like, $40 on eBay or something back in the day. In, like, 2007, I think I bought those. And then Hot Fuzz came out. I, I think really
0: Statute sick, of you know? Limitations up on that uh, bootleg.
1: Just huh. whatever the seller's fault. <laughs> Take it up with... Uh, the crow fan 333 um, (laughs) on ebay
0: (laughs) i was like what name is he gonna i was trying to think of something good anyway keep going
1: anyway uh so and then they they got me more amp for hot fuzz and i loved hot fuzz um so i was really looking forward to this one for a long time and then i I think that so many years had passed it's been five or six years since hot fuzz it's been a while
0: it's been a while and he had scott pilgrim in between there but and Scott Pilgrim kind of soured me, and I'd right for a little bit, because I didn't really like
1: it, and I, uh, it wasn't, I don't think it was necessarily him, I think it was just the nature of the movie, I wasn't really going to like it anyway. Um, but then, you know, he had been attached to Ant-Man for so damn long, like probably since before Hot Fuzz came out, and I always thought that was a cool pairing, but I i was looking less, slightly less so forward to the world's end, because uh, of Scott Pilgrim, I was kind of like, oh, Okay, I'm, I think it'll be good. I hope it's good, and uh, for me, it delivered for sure. So I was—I think if if it had been announced in like oh eight oh nine, I probably would have been looking forward to it a lot more than I was. And I don't know if that contributed at all to my how I felt about the movie. Yeah, but I think uh, I'm really excited to go back and, and rewatch the first two now and kind of watch the whole trilogy. To see, it's an like, interesting trilogy. It is because it's not a trilogy. Yeah,
0: it's <laughs> it kind is. of like. Um... Uh, not that I've seen any of these movies, but, um, Gilliam's, Gilliam's Dreamer trilogy. Oh, sure. Like Brazil and Dreamcatchers and, um, one more. Munchausen? Maybe, yeah.
1: That was before.
0: I don't know. I'll look it up. But anyway, it's, it's, it's like a thematic, thematic trilogy as opposed to like an actual trilogy, which I, I always, I find that the more interesting of the two most of the time because being able to draw those connections between mm. between the movies is is very cool but anyway so so go a little bit more on on the world's end and, and how you felt um,
1: I it's hard without getting spoiler yet uh, I'm, okay. gonna, I just, I'm gonna just i'm I'm gonna talk based on the assumption that anybody listening has seen the trailer for it okay um, which I think is a safe bet
0: it's not because I didn't.
1: I know you didn't, and I think your thoughts are very interesting based on that idea. But yeah. I So if you haven't seen the trailer, um, you should probably just—I don't even know what you should do.
0: Just let's just go, go see the it. movie and then come back. But okay. anyway, go ahead. Watch the trailer. You, you've um, had you've had enough warning. We'll give you five more seconds to turn off the podcast.
1: Okay, so fuck that. <laughs> two seconds. Uh,
0: I was really excited for this
1: one because the send, the whole send up of the of kind of the invasion of the body snatchers is what I was really amped for. Mm-hmm. Like zombie movies, zombie movies I enjoy, but they were never as near and dear to my heart. So I didn't hold. I liked Sean just for what it was, not necessarily as a spoof. And I love action movies, but Hot Fuzz. You know, there were parts of it that kind of lampooned police movies, and so I thought that was fun. Yeah, but overall, this was the one where I was really excited for because I love Invasion of the Body Snatchers and. I like sci-fi so much, and I was really kind of looking forward to seeing what they would do with the the, the idea of an invasion. And uh, I think it, I think it was it was done really well. It gets a little weird in the third act, which we'll get into. It kind of takes a detour, and then detours again, and almost comes <laughs> back in like a little square. It's very it's very interesting, but uh, the cast is is out of control. Good. Um, my only my gripe with Simon Pegg, I was watching it is I was watching the movie and I was like I can't. I can't buy him. I can't buy Simon Pegg as a guy who used to be the shit. Yeah. Who used to be super cool. But I was like, I guess that makes him better for the role. Because he's <laughs> super not cool anymore. Yeah. But while I was watching it, I had a hard time in the beginning. Because I, I thought it felt really forced. I was like, Simon Pegg's playing a part that it doesn't feel right for. But he kind of does. It's it's interesting how it's, feel yeah, it feels about Yeah. But the... Uh, the cast is great. the 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 movie looks great. Edgar's writing or his editing is just awesome. The action sequences are unreal. Um, they're just. I, I had just a big grin on my face, and I was just like giggling and and uttering comments of like, "Oh my god!" Like throughout the movie, at some of the action sequences. So, uh, I did really enjoy it, though.
0: Okay. okay. Yeah, um, I went in totally blind. So blind, in fact, I just didn't think about the fact that. I had heard everywhere that this is his end to the Coronado trilogy. I didn't think about what that really meant, and uh, because of that, I think I enjoyed the movie even more than than uh, more than I expected for sure. More more than I would have if I had even taken the moment to be like, okay, w- what happened in these movies? And and so the fact that I hadn't seen Sean and Hot Fuzz was probably a pretty good service to 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 this movie in my eyes. Um everybody in it's amazing. There isn't a single performance that's not like a, and yeah, the si- si- like in the beginning I was like Simon Pegg just I don't buy him as Gary King. like it just doesn't that doesn't make sense. And then as the movie went on, for some reason it just begins to click and it, like yeah. you see the group dynamic together and it's like okay, all right, it makes sense to me now. But um and like you said, it almost kind of serves the point of like, yeah, he does really suck now. Like, he's definitely fallen from that, mm-hmm. from from where he was. Um, let's see. What else? Yeah. I got, re- I, I said to you afterwards, I'm really, really, really pumped for Ant-Man now because I forgot about how percussive his, his uh, action scenes can be. And just like, it, like, even after like thinking about that, I'm just, I think of. You know them being at the bar and Sean and and uh, Queen starts playing and mm. they're like just all of that together. I'm just like, this guy knows how to like make an action sequence and like bring something to it that's that's different from everything. And I think that's what Ant Man needs really in order to to have uh, uh, an interesting angle on it and and to, to bring people into the fold of Ant Man and make people realize that that Ant Man is a a character worth having his own movie and. Um, but but yeah it, it uh the world's end definitely i feel like it does a really good job of just taking the concept of of the body snatchers and kind of flipping it on its head enough but also not flipping it on uh, like making fun of the situation completely and and uh and <laughs> If anybody in this like if any of the people in this movie weren't actually drunk when they were filming these scenes, then bravo to them because that is some acting. Like yeah. Nick Frost had to be just plastered any time like past that like that I that it's amazing. Like any of that. Um so I think we'll get into spoilers right now. Uh I'm not gonna do a break. So right now, spoiler territory for uh the world's end. Turn it off, give you a little bit more time. This is you turning off the podcast because you don't want to hear any spoilers about the world's end. Um, so sorry about that spoiler um. <laughs> about Nick Frost getting drunk because it's kind of a spoiler. But Nick, get get more into to what you were thinking.
2: <laughs> right, you you go
0: first. I I I don't even know like what I can say spoiler wise that I that I necessarily didn't you know that I couldn't have said beforehand. I, it's just.
1: I think. Well, I thought of something. The movie starts out very slowly for me. Like, yeah. It did not hook me. I was I was actually a little nervous for the first little chunk of it because I was like, "Well, that like the magic wasn't there yet."
0: The the exposition, uh, like, uh, kind of set up the viewing of their past. Like that felt like it went on. Like it dragged on for like a long time. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like the young, the young crew. Yeah. Like everything with that, it just kind of felt like it was overstaying its welcome a bit.
1: Well, it's funny because upon reflection, uh, they basically were reiterating what happens to them later in the movie, yeah. which is kind of clever. But I, I agree, it was too, it was too much for me with the exposition and it. um... I just didn't I didn't feel it running on all cylinders yet like Sean right out of the gate hot fuzz before it's even out of the gate it's just it's there everything's there everybody's just totally totally jiving and with this movie it felt a little something about it was a little bit off to me yet and I think a big part of it was just that Simon Pegg kind of is just suck like he's he's not fun to watch in this movie yeah everybody else to me is more fun he's he's more he, he,
0: he makes you cringe a lot oh yeah yeah and
1: in whereas in the other two, he's very much put in a place of sympathy. Mm-hmm. So, it's uh, it's nothing against... I mean, Simon Pegg is always... He's great. He's a lot of fun to watch. He should not play Ant-Man. But he is a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> um, but... He's not Hank Pym. He's no. uh, Scott Lang. Anyway. He's O'Grady, if anything. Um, the... Yeah, there was just something about it that didn't, that didn't grab me right away. And yeah. I was like, well... I, I you totally know agree. there are, it's been a couple years for them maybe they you know but it totally hit its stride. I think once once it started getting to the other group, mm-hmm. the rest of the group, because they were arguably better than Peg was in the movie. Because Simon Peg just something about it was almost too over the top for me. He was just like almost too body, and there wasn't really anything good. Like he wasn't a, a douchey character that I that I liked watching anyway. Yeah, he didn't play a douche in the way that I want to keep watching him. Mm-hmm he played a douche that was just a douche and like I didn't even want to watch him anymore I was like I almost want to see I liked the scenes better where he was gone like oh oh, he's off playing Need for Speed yeah like those type of scenes the interactions between the other guys were more interesting to me because I think that you know for for most of us that's the way we're going to be 10 years 20 years from wherever we were when we started that thing we're going to be those guys Mm -hmm. we're not going to be Simon Pegg hopefully and It wasn't until probably the the late second act, midway through the movie, where finally some of Simon Pegg's humanity started to shine through. And um, I knew it would. When they kept referring to the accident with Nick Frost's character, I was like, okay, as soon as they drop the bomb of whatever that is, we're probably going to get a whole new outlook on these two characters. Yeah. Um, But it's weird that Peg seemed better when Nick Frost became Nick Frost again. hmm Like, those two really... They need, need each other. They do. They need to play off of each other. They do it so... They do it better than anybody. And, uh... Once Nick Frost went full Nick Frost, it was it was great. <laughs> and uh, you know he's the action star of the
0: summer, really. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Better than Iron Man. And, no, uh, I forgot to say that. I wanted to say that like any, like Edgar Wright can make anybody look like they're a total badass in an action sense. True. Yeah, those guys all looked really like they were handled. Like, even Martin Freeman was like. Even like Rosamund Pike, like the <laughs> when she starts like fighting the chick that has legs and like all like yeah it's it, it's awesome like it's cool that he can do like it's he did that better than all the shaky cam and like elysium like yeah to hide all the yeah but anyway
1: his he's not afraid to show what's happening and uh it his direction of action is is, is awesome yeah but other than the we kind of some of the hiccups in the pacing i really didn't have any complaints i think that the the social criticism towards the end was a little bit heavy-handed. it yeah. kind of started to get a little blunt force trauma for me, but it also was almost un-un-unasked for, like unwarranted. I was kind of like, I don't, I didn't sign up for this. Like yeah. that's what Elysium was for. <laughs> it's kind of weird for for the world's end to get into that, but it somebody presented it under the lens of it being basically a huge homage to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy in a way, and I was like, yeah, okay, okay. I can see that. Um. Especially with the inclusion of Martin Freeman and Bill Nye in the movie. <laughs> anyway, I don't think I have much more spoiler to say.
0: <coughs> Bless you.
1: Just wanted to get that up before we started talking.
0: <laughs> no, like I said, I don't. I don't really know how much I have to say. Um, I I think I, it, to tell you the truth, like having not seen the other two, I I told you this. I feel like this might be my favorite of the three and that that's funny because it's kind of arguably one of the more sci-fi of the three but yeah i i think it's a great movie um definitely go check it out especially if we, especially if you've been a fan of Edgar Wright in the past and um yeah i don't know do you want to do letter grade i don't know i think the letter i I'm, I'm i think i think i want to abolish the letter grade right now i think it's arbitrary and it's stupid
1: we're going to take a stand yes I think on movies it's where it's just you
0: and me here. There's nobody else that can say <laughs> anything against us.
1: I think it's uh it's fun on movies where I think we're a little more divided. Maybe. I do kinda like knowing you know, letter grading's tough. I usually do a number system personally. Yeah. I like one to ten better. I feel like I can that more covers the, the spectrum. But I know no it was a good movie. I think I think the Hot Fuzz is probably still my favorite. But I, I really want to watch all three of them. Yeah. And, uh And really settle once and for all You know which one is Because my perspective on all of them has changed too I mean Ten years ago You know I was a 17 year old Yeah Obviously would be watching Shaun of the Dead And like it for reasons A, B, and C Yeah And a lot of jokes that are more juvenile Might have been funnier to me I don't know it's hard to say Yeah But I think that you know We've all That's why it's interesting having that This series been a big part of my Kind of cinematic education it's been there for the beginning and kind of the end now not the end but the the end of the school and, and whatnot so I think it's uh, it's kind of interesting yeah watching them change too and them all grow and grow as, as actors and that's and... kind of what the movie's about yeah. too yeah so I'd, lo- I'd love to to hear your thoughts too if you go back
0: and watch them yeah I would like to soon
1: it's funny your list of shame is not it's divided into two categories it's I've never seen that movie and it's obviously oh, it, it was
0: seen a long time, time, or... time yeah, ago But and I don't even remember it man yeah.
1: so it's not worth it <laughs> yeah you have to go back
0: and, and watch all three, or the first two. I will. I will. Alright, I think that about wraps it up for our review of Edgar Wright's The World's End. Um, let's say thanks to Aunt Mr. John on Twitter, my brother, for our artwork and our music. And uh, feedback, food for thought questions, whatever, to feedback at com. I'll give you a little preview for what we're going to talk about next week. We're going to talk about Joss Whedon's thoughts on Empire Strikes Back. Uh, go check that out if you haven't heard it. But basically, he thinks Empire doesn't have an ending. So we're going to... I think it's been a while since I've seen Empire. And uh, I think it'll be good to have other... other, A lot of opinions on this one. So either next week or the week after that, depending on, on how it all works out. Um, we're going to talk about that. What so. are we reviewing next week? Um, next week pitch black yeah i don't want to commit to anything but we're gonna try and do pitch black right before riddick because i haven't seen pitch black or chronicles of riddick um so hopefully that's the plan the episode might be a little later kind of because of the holiday weekend and don't really know how everybody's schedule is going to work out but sure yeah that's that's the plan for now so anyway um at mfn podcast on twitter and instagram um, you can find at Nick Blauvelt and at Johnny1703 on uh, on Twitter as well MidwestFilmers.com for show notes and stuff um, that's about it Kylex Y go watch the movie